Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode 10 of the Running Technique Tips podcast. Uh, I'm now joined from Sydney by my co-host Lisa Biffin. How are things with you, Lisa? Things are going well. I can't believe you just said episode 10. Where have the last 10 weeks gone? I know, they, they have gone quickly. Um, yeah, you know what that means. Yeah, it means marathons around the corner and I blink and my life just keeps on disappearing. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, the marathon is coming for me particularly quickly. Yeah. Um, although I did make the happy discovery um, this week that I was actually missing a week out of my training program. Um, so I was, I've been looking at my spreadsheet thinking, I've got four weeks to go, but actually I've still got five. So I'm, I'm, it's like bonus. I've discovered like a whole week in my life that I didn't know I had. Is it, do you think that's a good thing or were you so set on thinking I'm ready, I'm, I just want to get this done now, and you sort of thought, oh, God, I've got another like full hard week of training? Uh, no, I actually think it's a bit of a bonus because I, I don't think I will do like a super hard week with the extra week, but I'm, I might just add in a couple of the extra elements that I've got scheduled for this sort of last block of my training, um, this kind of, you know, race sharpening and um, taper type of stuff. So, yeah, I've just been tossing around some ideas today about what I'll actually do with that that extra week. And I think what I'll do is um, throw in an extra little time trial, of which there's a couple in that block already. So I'll probably do a 3K time trial, maybe even on the track. Um and possibly throw in a medium, I haven't quite decided, maybe a medium long run or a long run with a little bit of marathon pace tempo work in it. Um, Question, why a 3K time trial on the track? The track and the distance both seem completely opposite to what you're about to go and do. Yeah, yes and and no. I suppose for the last... um, four or five weeks I've been doing quite a lot of um, VO2 max 5k race pace fartlek type work Um, and uh, one of the features of um, well many of the programs is obviously a a bit of that kind of training but um, you might remember when I was constructing my program I sort of borrowed and mangled a bit of one of Arthur Lydiard's marathon programs and he's got some of these um, time trials over various different distances towards the the tail end of the program mm. and already had scheduled in a 5K time trial at Park Run. Um, so I thought if I put a 3K time trial the week before, that'll kind of get me ready for the 5K. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's vague method in the madness. I'm just counting uh, the weeks to triple check whether or not you did have four or five weeks but you've got five i have got five yeah (laughs) oh good well i'm glad that we've clarified now that you've got an extra week to get under your belt yeah that's right Uh, oh well bonus time yeah well i am on what am i i'm seven weeks to go this week yeah that's getting close too do you know what i must admit i'm finding this period a bit of a a tricky one and, and I haven't done a marathon before like it's sort of it's close but it's still a fair way out like I've still got some big volume to come but you, know, you don't want to overcook yourself definitely not 
Do you sort of feel like you're maybe treading water a little? Yeah, that's exactly it. I was looking at my program earlier today and I was like, oh, I've still got, you know, my two biggest runs coming up of two and a half hours pending I can get them done on land rather than maybe the, the pool land that we spoke about. And there's part of me that's like, I really can't wait to get them done, but are they going to take a lot out of me and I've still got a long way to go, so I don't want to break down. Uh, but I really need to get these done to sort of tick that box so that I'm ready. I, I, I'm feeling a bit weird. I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll feel better after you tick off a couple more of those long runs. Um, and if you feel like you, because you know you're a bit like me, you you've got to kind of get yourself up for those long runs, and they do take a lot out of you. So if, if you feel like you need to kind of modify other parts of your program so that you can get those done without causing yourself too much damage then yeah then now would be a time to potentially um tweak your plan um as we talked about change the plan if you need to mm, yeah definitely yeah so um what are we now where monday i've just been in new zealand which we briefly spoke about last uh, last recording i was a bit of a mad flustered rush <laughs> last time you did straight off the plane um a lot, i'm a lot more settled now i've got myself organized and um in some sort of routine again which is nice like it's good going away but i'm a super structured person and <laughs> which I know you're completely the opposite. So Someone moved your cheese, right? Oh, literally. And so I come back home and I just think, oh, I finally got everything where it needs to be. <laughs> so hopefully I'll be a lot I, less scattered. I think I'm a little bit like that too, actually, in some ways, because even though I was having a, a pretty lazy time of it on Flinders Island after I did that run last week, mm. it's still kind of nice to get back into your own comfort zone and your own environment um, where you know, you're in control of everything, yeah, which is nice. Yeah. You know, as control freak runners, we, we like to be in control of things. Oh, yeah, exactly. But um, do you want to hear about my week in New Zealand? I do, yeah. yeah. Well, um, it I, I was meant to be there for, well, I was there for five days, but the time difference between Australia and New Zealand is three hours and it really threw me from like the Monday I flew out, uh, Monday morning from Sydney, but by the time I lost the three hours and the three-hour travel time and then the travel to where I was staying. I didn't get there till 4.30 p.m. and I'd left. And you know how flying international, you have to be at the airport a couple of hours beforehand. So I sort of left the house at a quarter past 7 uh, a.m. and then didn't get to my final destination till 4.30 p.m. So I was like, oh. There, there goes a full day. <laughs> there goes a day, yep. There goes a day. So naturally Monday I did nothing <laughs> but travel. Uh, and then the on the Tuesday my I, had, I was going over there to visit a friend and it was actually really good. I felt like I had my own personal running tour guide so I didn't have to research where to run. I just sent her through what my training schedule was and she said, right, I know exactly where I'm going to take you. So... That was great. I, I really enjoyed that. It's a shame you can't uh, get that everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say there's there's like a maybe a gap in the market for um, people to offer that kind of service to travelling runners. Well, if anyone wants to take that up as a business idea, mm. there you go. Heard it here first. That's right. <laughs> oh, but um, on the Tuesday I had some hill. I had to do a hill. Actually, it was a bit of a big session. I had to do hill sessions. Um, it was it's actually supposed to be five by 500 meter hills, but I completely misread it as four by 500 meter hills. And I'm really glad that I did because the hill 
where I did these repeats was actually a lot steeper than the normal hill that we would train at here at Centennial Park. So yeah, I don't even know if I would have if I would have gotten the fifth one out with much quality. I was pretty pretty knackered. So big session in the end, you know, two k's worth of work because it's a, a jog down recovery. Sorry, four k's worth of work um, with the recoveries included. So, and then after that, I had four by two minute tempos with jog one minute in between. So it was actually quite a big session. I definitely managed a one and a half K warm down. I barely just crawled into the car. <laughs> I, uh, I was a bit spent after that. So it's interesting with hills, isn't it? If the hill is just a little bit too steep for where you're at, it can completely kind of change or even ruin the session, I reckon. Yeah, well... I'm actually really glad that I misread it because I don't I don't think I would have gotten the tempos out if I had have um, done that fifth hill. But I actually felt really good in the tempos. I was doing them sort of low three fifties to four minute pace, mm-hmm. and felt pretty smooth running those. So that was nice. And I'm still managing this niggle, so the ankle sprain that I had done um, or have done, and felt fine running. Um, and then on the Wednesday. Just wanted to be really careful of it and not overdo it. So um, went out to the New Zealand Institute of Sport, which was an amazing facility, and got on their Alter G. I uh, was a bit jealous, actually, of all of the athletes there who were, it looks like that's their life, <laughs> and swimming and running on the track and doing all those sorts of things. So for a brief 54 minutes on the Alter G, I pretended I was one of them. <laughs> you were a full-time athlete. <laughs> Uh, so that was quite nice. So I did a 22-minute land run beforehand um, to test out the ankle. That was fine. I was running so slow. I wasn't even hitting six-minute Ks. But that was a bit of a combination of it was so cold and where the institute is it was a bit of an industrial location. So it wasn't actually very nice to run around. I had no idea where I was and I am geographically challenged. So I didn't want to go too far in case I got lost. <laughs> Um, so I just did the really pathetic sort of out and back, out and back all the time. And then 54 minutes on the Alter G. And I think I had mentioned last week, I was running at about 45% body weight, whereas this time it was 80% body weight and, you know, no issues, couldn't feel any um, soreness in the ankle. So that was a really nice positive step in the right direction. So is that the end of the Alter G for you or are you still going to do more? Well, I haven't booked it in again. I... I was considering continuing it, um, but I haven't made up my mind. So it's fantastic and I highly recommend it. But I must admit that when I then go and run full-blown on the land, um, it actually takes a little bit out of me. I guess Mm. obviously not had all of the weight on you. And then so when you go and do the next day on the land, I'm finding it a bit tough. So... I'm not going to do it this week, but um, I'm not sure. Like when I get to some of those really long land runs, whether or not it might be worthwhile just to keep that load off the body. What do you reckon? Uh, well, I'm I'm a bit biased, as you know, because uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Alter G. But yeah, I kind of feel like if it would be better to maybe sacrifice a bit of time on legs just to run on the land, or just so either run a little bit less or a little bit slower on land rather than trying to hit the same time on the Alter G perhaps mm. um, just for that extra bit of specific 
um, training effect because especially if you're noticing that when you go back out on the land that it's um, it feels a bit harder. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a good point. So I'm, I'm still playing with it. I haven't booked it in for this week and I'll, I'll consider uh, moving forward. Um, and then on the Thursday I headed out to and I absolutely cannot pronounce the name of the athletics track um, or, or the athletics club. It was the Love the Love Lock track and it was – I'm actually not even going to attempt it because I'll embarrass myself and maybe offend people from the club. So we might put it up in the show notes. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm no good on um, those kind of uh, uh, pronunciations yeah. either. Uh, so we're out there. We're basically, you know, the, the – 1960s heyday of New Zealand athletics where the Snells and Lydia trained um, his uh, all of his charges and uh, that was really nice actually. There was lots of plaques around and some paintings of, of the history and I really like all that type of um, thing. So, Weren't you reading Peter Snell's book or one of, was it Garth Gilmore on Peter Snell or uh, Garth correct, Gilmore yeah. on Lydia? So yeah. my friend had Peter Snell's second book in her um, book collection. I've actually brought it home with me. I got um, stuck into that. So it was quite nice because here I was in New Zealand uh, sort of retracing some of their steps, I suppose, and being able to visualise what it was that they were talking about in the book and yeah, I just I still can't get over what they did. You know, New Zealand back then would have been such a tiny little faraway place with, you know, not many people living there and to be you know, have the best distance runners and to basically shape distance running as we know it. I, I just think it's such a great story. It is. Yeah, mm. It's one that will still be being told in another 100 years, I reckon. Yeah, look, I'd, and so it should. And just reading some of their training that we're doing and then seeing these locations and just thinking, oh, God, we're soft today. <laughs> 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 um, and it was quite ironic because on that Thursday out at that track and it was the coldest day of the sort of five that I was there, it was freezing cold it was sideways rain and just blowing a gale and I was the only person out on this track, which again was something quite unique because, you know, here in, in the city of Sydney, you, I don't think I've ever been on the track on my own. So it was a little bit surreal and having just those really tough conditions and thinking, well, this is what they did all the time. That's why they were so good. If they did it, like, come on, pull it together, you can do it. Yeah, so and I had a tough session too. I had four by 1,600, so you know, four by a mile, and it was really hard. Like those conditions made it so challenging and on my own. I was having some serious talks to myself during them. That's a monster session, that one. It is a monster and, yeah, and on your own. And I actually had to change how I how I run it. Like I'm not sure if you've ever done this before in a session, but the wind was so bad that um, it down half of the athletics track you just had this massive tailwind and then you would turn the corner and I was just having to dig deep. I could barely, you know, take a step into this wind. And I did my first 1600 in a time of 639, which is a uh, 409 minute average and I just thought I I can't keep running them like this I'm gonna actually have to run them as surge one half and sort of survive on the other half yeah it was it it actually made for a really tough training condition but in a way it wasn't actually too bad it was a bit of a lesson of well I'm a bit of a metronome you know I can sort of lock into a pace and just stay there but 
I guess, you know, look at Boston this year. They mm. had to change for all the conditions. So it was a bit of a mental game as well to say, well, you need to change how you run sometimes. You may not get the ideal conditions in New York. Sounds sounds a bit more like a fartlek session almost <laughs> that, that way, running it that way. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was. So I look, the times did come down. I was 6.39 and then 6.28, 6.19 and 6.10 and off only 60 seconds recovery. So it wasn't an easy one. And, and again, I I struggled around for a two-kilometre cool down and I just knew that I had nothing to do the next day and I was so thankful for that. But um, that's actually one of the hardest sessions I've done in a while. Uh, not surprised. It's Yeah, that's it's a really tough one. Mm. So that, that was supposed to be a VO2 max 5K race pace type of pace initially, at least as you wrote it in the program? Uh, so the pace was meant to be, so I was given to run 3 minutes 50 to 4 minute um, K average, which for me is more threshold yeah and it's but but over that distance I don't find that very challenging um however my coach actually wrote in brackets weather permitting so I think uh he visits New Zealand quite a lot so I think he understood the potential conditions that I may get and I absolutely got those conditions so what should have felt like a relatively easy pace I had to work quite hard for that in the end for to get those times just because of the elements so um it was a nice one to tick off, a bit of a confidence boost, but also just a hard slog. Yeah, and only a minute a minute recovery. I mean, I think that makes slightly more sense um, now that you've told me that that was supposed to be a threshold-type session because, um, yeah, initially I was thinking, wow, if you're running those at 5K race pace and you've only got a minute between them, man, that's, um, that's tough. Yeah. You might as well just go and run a 5K. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, it wasn't fun. And on my own too, God, I've, I've mentioned multiple times, I'm terrible on my own. So when I hit times in training that have sort of been set for me and I'm on my own, I, I feel like I've actually achieved even more. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I flew out on the Friday, so my little adventure was over. Um, and then I had on the Saturday, we had a club run. Uh, it was a 10K, so I was going to use this as a tempo. And I don't know if the wind followed me this week, but, again, just shocking, shocking conditions. It was a two, five-kilometre loop course and it was, you know, out one way for two and a half kilometres, back the other way, and the way out for two and a half Ks was a dead-on headwind <laughs> and the way back was a tailwind and I – Again, thought, oh, you know, I might run sort of 405s to 410s, but just the wind, it just throws pacing all over the place. Um, you know, there was sort of 411 pace into the wind, 345s with the wind. So I actually had no idea how I was going and I ended up running um, 40 minutes and 10 seconds for the 10K. So I... I was shocked. I was actually really pleased. I, I did not think that uh, I would come out with that. So, so question mm. that given your was it Thursday you're doing the sixteen hundreds, yeah, and then so that if that was a threshold, and then you've basically done another threshold on Saturday, like is that was that kind of in the program, or was the race kind of added in afterwards? Yeah, so the race was added in. It was actually scheduled for t- in two weeks' time. But uh, our, our club had something on and then next week is the Sydney uh, Marathon. So that took out you know, lots of the group. 
and it really just left, unfortunately, Saturday. So it wasn't great timing. Um, and so then leading into Sunday's run, I actually reduced. I was I had scheduled in two hours 10 and I was really dreading it. And so I had a chat to the coach and he just said, look, you know, if you get two hours, you get two hours. You know, there's not a lot of difference between two hours and two hours 10. Yep. And I, I struggled on Sunday. I found it really quite hard. I wasn't running fast. I was running 521 pace and I, I was just tired. My legs were, you know, shot to bits, the sort of two hard sessions. I'd come off the previous week of cross training, so I hadn't really been on the land and then you know, ended up with 80 kilometres for the week. It was it was really tough going. So I have recovered quite well. Um I didn't run the full two hours. I, I stopped at an hour 57, so close enough. Yep. But I, I remember I was running along with uh, the group of ladies I run with and I said, well, look, as soon as my clock ticks over the 22Ks, I'm stopping. Like, I'm not running a step further. Um, so it was a big week in the end. It was a big yeah, week. Yeah, you had a really hard week. Yeah, but you know what? Oh, look, at this is. I'd like to cover this topic another day. Because I was on my own, I didn't have any work, I had no family, <laughs> my time was my own, I actually was able to rest. So, you know, even though I had some hard sessions, you know, I'm getting 11 hours sleep each night, which is unheard of for me. I'm normally living off six hours of broken sleep. And then when I sat down, I didn't have to get up 15 times. I could just sit on the couch and stay there. So, it's amazing what recovery does when you can get it. Yeah, there's definitely something in that. Mm. Uh, that's really interesting. So you coped well with the added intensity in the hard week yeah. because you had you had a little bit of extra Lisa time uh, and <laughs> some nice sleep. <laughs> I surely did. So will I be repeating that similar type of week this week? The answer is no. <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> oh, dear. So how did you fare after your... Um, you know, you're in good spirits after, what was it, Fraser Island? Not Fraser Island. Where did you go again? Flinders, Flinders Island. Island. Flinders Island. Getting my yes. islands confused. Oh, you'll upset the Tasmanian listeners. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I actually had a pretty easy week um, in comparison to you last week. Um, I was still on the island. Uh, actually stayed on the island until the Wednesday. So um, Monday was basically... Uh, walking therapy which was nice so yeah just spent a few hours just walking around um, some of the nice um, uh, national parks and local beautiful beaches so I was down at Trousers Bay walking around there so my body was just I could actually feel I was I was quite tense and the legs were perhaps a little bit stiff in places from that run but after you know a few hours of just walking around everything just kind of you know really loosened up so just remembering the value of um, just doing some easy walking um, as a recovery. I think it's very underrated and not spoken about enough walking recovery or even walking as training. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's very underrated. Um, I suppose I should should thank Charlotte the Wonder Dog for making me get out and do more <laughs> walking than what I probably otherwise would. Um, but, yeah, doing a bit of walking before your runs and after your runs. Um yeah, can't be underestimated as yeah having a fitness benefit, but also just keeping you, warming you up and cooling you down from from your other runs. So, yeah, that was kind of kind of good. Mm. Um, so Tuesday was 
a super easy, I just did 35 minutes running along a nice beach trail near Whitemark. Um, so, yeah, less than four miles. That was at 5.54 kilometre pace, which I think is like 9.30 miling. Super slow. Um, I just wanted to just tick the legs over. Um, heart, heart rate average was 119. So <laughs> You were doing your walking recovery again, sounds. <laughs> Plotting recovery there. Um, otherwise known as a grovel, that one, the six-minute K grovel. Um, but, yeah, that was just kind of nice to do that. So I was pretty encouraged actually because the legs weren't really sore um, and heart rate was down, um, which was good. So that was kind of showing that I wasn't too beat up from from the uh, the 26K plus 4K that I did on the Saturday before. So um, recovered pretty well. On the Wednesday, it was... 56 Wednesday is usually a midweek long run but I actually wrote into my program to only put 60 minutes in that and in the end I only ran 56 again I was just giving myself a chance to recover from that that big run on the weekend um ran out the beach trail again at Whitemark actually ran onto the golf course which was nice so just ran down one of the fairways and back for a little bit do you know what um, I've got a confession I love running on golf courses and I'm me too I'm not, I want to do that more they are oh they are just beautiful and there is you know often nine or 18 holes of just perfect grass of rolling yes. hills yeah I, I love it I've, there's been some unhappy golfers when I've been on them before but boy I'm happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to investigate one of the golf clubs in Ballarat for the summer because I reckon that'll be it's definitely the place if you're going to do a bit of barefoot running, doing it on perfectly manicured um, golf fairways. Mm, actually, um, we used to train quite a lot at the Bunningyong Golf Course for a while there. Ah, mm, did you? Just mm. outside of Ballarat. Interesting. Nice I might one. have to check that one out. Mm. like the sound of that. So anyway, that was ended up being... 10.5Ks at 5.28-kilometre pace, 8.47 miling. Heart rate was nice and low, 127 average. And I think I just – I think can't remember whether I did two or three strides afterwards, but I did manage to remember to do a couple of those. Um, then it was on to the plane and back to Ballarat. So Thursday I actually cracked open a new pair of um, running shoes. Mm -hmm. um, got that running shoe issue problem thing addiction <laughs> <laughs> happening so i'd been enjoying running in those ultra escalante trainers so i bought the racing equivalent of those um so they're basically a slightly less cushioned slightly more stiffness in the shoe and the, the cushioning itself is um probably a little bit firmer overall so i just did 40 minutes in those uh which was about seven and a half k just shy of five miles and I was I did those at five nineteen kilometer pace, which felt really easy and good, about eight thirty miling and one twenty six heart rate average. So yeah, I was zooming along in those. So those new shoes felt pretty good. Um, and then I got to Friday, um, and that was that was Fartlek Friday again. Um, actually got the Fartlek done on the Friday for once. Mm, good. Um, so the total run was fifty four minutes. Uh, slightly under 11 kilometres or six and a half miles. Average pace, because there was a fartlek in there as well, was 5.06 kilometre pace, which is about 8.12 miling. And average heart rate for the whole run was 138. The actual session was four by four minutes. Um, and I took two minutes rest after the first rep and then three minutes um, rest between those. And that was at 5K 
race intensity. So um, unlike unlike you with your one-minute one recoveries, I was giving myself enough time um, basically for my heart rate to drop back down to probably underneath one under 140, so back into my aerobic range and then going again for another rep. Um, managed to do those four reps between 357 and 351 kilometre pace and at the fast end that is about 611 miling, I think. Um, and when I was looking at my heart rate data afterwards, it gave me about seven minutes of actual in the in the red heart rate zone. So in that kind of in the one mid one sixty kind of zone, um, which was what I was looking for for that particular um, session. So yeah, that was kind of encouraging because that was pretty good pace, and to get through sixteen minutes of hard running in those kind of like four minute continuous blocks was pretty good for me. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think. Now that I've kind of come to this, the end of this block of training, which was about four weeks in my program of what I called endurance, which was basically building the length of my long runs, which I've spoken about a bit over the last few weeks, but also adding in those 5K race pace fartlek efforts um, into there as well. So it was kind of like VO2 max plus endurance. So I do feel like doing those fartleks, and look, they haven't been huge sessions. Like they're probably, the, I think, in total the longest two have added up to 16 minutes of hard running, which in the context of like basically seven hours of easy running for for the rest of my week is really not that much to not much hard effort to potentially get quite a good gain in fitness. Mm. No, it's not much at all when you put it like that, is it? it? It isn't. And yeah, definitely one of the reasons like we were doing this podcast and one of the things I've been trying to kind of get my head around is, you know, how can you come up with a methodology for running the marathon a for myself and for other people to make it as easy as possible so you know basically doing more with less um doing more with a lot more easier running um and finding out you know just how little stimulus you need in terms of that hard running to potentially get a gain Mm -hmm. i I think you know just really testing the boundaries of what results you can kind of potentially get um without having to flog yourself too much which is good for me because i'm fundamentally pretty lazy as you can probably (laughs) tell by now (laughs) You don't like to go into the hurt zone very often. <laughs> well, you know, if I'm going to go there, I don't want to be there for a long time. Let's just let's just put it that way. Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, so that was all good. Um, what did I do on Saturday? Okay, so the weekend was, you might remember I changed my program slightly. So instead of doing a long run of two hours or more on the Sunday, I actually did back-to-back 90-minute runs on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and the Saturday effort included um, park run. So I did 5K park run in about 26 and a half minutes. Um, and actually, while, while I was doing park run, I looked down at my watch and I actually did a kilometre in 4.57 at 133 heart rate, which was, yeah, that's it's a particularly encouraging <laughs> development actually to kind of see that really aerobic running pace coming down. Um, so, yeah, you could sort of take a lot of confidence out of going and running a 5K PB, but at the moment I'm looking at those kind of sub-maximal pace increases and taking a lot of confidence out of those that my fitness is increasing quite significantly at the moment. Um, so did park run, waited around for five minutes and then headed off with a couple other people, ran a lap of the lake and then came back and ran another lap of Victoria Park, which ended up giving me, for my 90 minutes, um, a 
bit over 17 kilometres or about 10.5 miles. And for that whole 90 minutes, average 5.16 kilometre pace, 8.28 miling, 131 heart rate average. So that was pretty good going without it being too stressful, which was good. Um, and as a bit of a sideline, um, on Flinders Island, um, my wife and I did the 5K walk um, on the Sunday, which was actually after the pub-to-pub -pub race that I did, and we walked around together in 48 minutes, and I actually thought that was pretty good going for walking. Um, but uh, my wife did park run on the weekend, and she did it in 43.26, so it just shows I was holding her back. <laughs> <laughs> You're the handbrake. So, yep, I was the handbrake on the walking, um, and I, I am a slow walker. When I'm not running, I like to walk pretty slowly, and she's pretty speedy on the walking front. So did and she I think walk park run or did she run it? She walked she it, walked, yeah. yeah. So she walked it, and walking it in 43 minutes. That's fast. She, I think she might have actually broken into a trot a couple of times. Um, so, but, yeah, she, got a she was pretty happy that she'd gone five minutes quicker than Flinders Island, so I think she might have a taste of this whole running thing. I was so, going to um, say, is there any inclination from her that it will the walk will turn into a trot and the trot I, will turn into a run? I've got that feeling. I, I think she's got a taste of it, and she she liked the the thought of running faster and PBs and all of that kind of thing. So uh, I think watch this space. We we might find that you know another six months down the track, she might be churning out park run in twenty five minutes. Yeah, she might be hot on your heels. She probably will be. She actually moves pretty well. She's got, got got better fundamental running technique than I do, I reckon. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Watch this space. That, that could turn into an interesting side story. Um, so, and that brought me to Sunday. And I must admit, yeah, like you, Sunday I just got out there and I was feeling a bit tired. So maybe it was the the race the week before and other things starting to catch up with me and, and doing that sort of back-to-back medium-long run whilst doing two 90-minute runs stacked um, the day after. I don't know, that doesn't sound very difficult. When I got out there, I just I just, I wasn't wasn't super tired, but I just kind of wasn't in, just wasn't in the zone. Mm, um, yeah. Let's just put it that no, way. I, get it. I just wasn't that interested. I, yeah, that was I was just me. in the plod zone. Yeah, that was me on Sunday all over. <laughs> yeah, so I, I plotted at 546-kilometre pace at 128 heart rate average. Um, yeah, I could have run faster, but I just didn't want to, so I didn't. <laughs> So I ticked off. Then that was my week and that was the end of my training block. So I was pretty happy to kind of get to the end of that. What did you finish up with in the end for the week? Uh, that is a good question. I think it was 68 kilometres, so oh, okay. a little bit off my kind of 70 to 8. I've been, you know, more or less averaging close to 80 kilometres. So it was it was almost a mini down week, I suppose, mm -hmm. with those um, in the early part of the week, just giving myself a chance to recover from the um, – the 30-odd Ks that I ran on the Saturday before. Mm. So. And well, you've got an extra week of training now, so you didn't know about it. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do, which is great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I'm feeling pretty ready and looking forward to this next phase of training, which is, yeah, as I was mentioning before, very much about some sharpening up. So um, whilst I've been doing these fart leks and longer runs, I think I've got one more long run of about two and a half hours to do. Um, but other than that, I'm going to be doing some of those um, bends and straights, wind sprint type things. Oh, I um, like them. Fast, fast. Yeah. So there's about three weeks of those, I think, in the program. Um, and um, a few of those time trials that I mentioned. So I've got a 3K time trial and a 5K time trial in there as well. So that'll be kind of fun just to kind of break things up. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll be going absolute 
flat out on those, but just be nice to see how fast I could run at those shorter distances and, you know, probably give me a little bit of extra training stimulus as well, which I guess is the idea that Arthur Lydiard had when he had those in the program. Yeah, exactly. Oh, good week. Mm, very good. So I guess that brings us to our topic of the week, Lisa. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about choosing marathon racing shoes after this. I don't know about you, Lisa, but um, choosing shoes to run the marathon uh does tend to confuse me a little bit and it's probably because I own far too many shoes so I've got too many choices and it's a bit like going to one of the, going to a restaurant where there's um, there's a lot of choice on the menu. <laughs> it just confuses me. I, I just like a simple amount of options to choose uh, yeah. from. What about you? Well, this is a very relevant topic in our household at the moment with obviously two novice marathoners. We actually don't know what to wear for, for the big day um, and – yeah, like you, where well, I actually don't have anywhere near as many. I don't think anyone has anywhere near as many pairs of shoes that you do. Um, oh, I know. No, there are people that have more. I know who they are. <laughs> um, but I'm really not sure because, you know, coming from sort of a, a shorter middle distance road and track, you know, I, I know the type of shoes that I usually wear for them. I'm quite a minimalist type of person when it comes to my shoes. I'm, I'm pretty light on my feet. But, um, you know, the marathon's a whole other beast and I've got these thoughts coming in. Well, do I need something, you know, a bit more padded? Do I need something that's a bit bulkier? But is it going to be too heavy? And so I'm a little bit confused, to be honest. Um, yeah, and that's understandable given <laughs> given the amount of options that are out there now. Like we've had um, like back when I was doing the blog in um, when was that five years ago or whatever. Um, yeah, minimalism was was the big trend. So everyone was talking about running in Vibram Five Fingers and mm. other kind of no cushioning, um, completely flat type of shoes. And then you know in the intervening time we've sort of seen this swing back to maximalism in shoes as well. Um, and now things are probably just kind of swung back a little bit and but probably not all the way back to completely minimal barefoot style shoes. Um, you know, we've now got these other kind of options like some of the ones I've been trying out like the Ultras where they're, they're flat shoes but they still retain quite a bit of cushioning so you'd never describe them as barefoot shoes. And on top of that, you've got a whole new category of shoes that kind of emerged out of that whole thing, like the lightweight trainer. So, you know, things like your Adidas Boston. Yeah, which are um, my that personal kind of favourite. <laughs> yeah, like you like those and I've got a pair of those. Um, and then you've got another category of shoes, which is actually the marathon racing shoe. So um, f- for me, the, the version of that that I've got is the um, um, Adios Boost, so the Adidas Adios Boost. Um, and what have you got in that category at the moment? You've got a pair of on races. I do. You? So just got them actually last week. So on cloud, uh, I think that's what they know. On running, sorry, is the brand. I hadn't ever seen them before and happened to be at 
this running film festival and one of the runners on there was sponsored by them and look I got sucked in I actually thought that they looked great (laughs) I really liked the style and the color I'm going to be completely transparent (laughs) and so went into the shop and tried them on and look I actually really like them so I haven't I've only had them for a week so I haven't really done that much running in them and they are they're they're quite light um but they're a bit like stiffer than say like my Adidas shoes and so initially yeah and so initially I thought oh well these are going to be my marathon shoes so I've made the decision about them um but running in them and just sort of the the person that I am and the way that I run normally liking the more minimal sort of shoes I'm not used to having like such a rigid shoe and so much shoe so you know a lot of those um lighter weight shoes I don't know, I guess it doesn't feel like there's a lot of material, whereas these ones come up a bit higher on my ankle, which are actually uh, proving to be perfect for me given my current ankle strain. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm not convinced. I, I need to give them obviously a few more weeks, but I'm, I'm not sure they're going to be too hard for me when I'm used to something so light, but then is something so light not going to carry me through when I hit that 30k distance that everyone talks about is the scary moment of the marathon yep Mm, so I'm not sure and then you know I've that I'd mentioned the last couple of half marathons that I've done I have worn the Nike Pegasus which you know they brought out that um I guess they had what the Nike four percenters which were the marathon specific shoe and then they brought out the Pegasus a bit of a hybrid of it but for me it just felt so weird because it was quite foamy but then when I raced in the half marathon I pulled up feeling amazing I didn't have any soreness so Mm -hmm. that's what's put me into this flurry of complete confusion yeah and you mentioned that that Nike four percent shoe in there that's 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 another shoe like almost in a category of its own because it's you know, whilst I'd probably say it's a it's a marathon racing shoe, it's a lot more shoe um, than, you know, the Adios or any of the other sort of equivalent marathon races that the other brands have got out there. Plus, it's got the insertion of that carbon fibre plate running through it. So, yeah, there's lots of options out there. And it sounds like you've got three options. Would that be correct that you're sort of tossing up? Yeah, so I am. So one is I am considering the Nike Pegasus just because of how great I have pulled up after the two half marathons and it's comfortable. Yeah, like it, it is comfortable. I think I mentioned before, I feel like I've got like these little soft pillows or mattresses on my feet as I'm <laughs> running along. There's just some nice safety for my my knees and my hips. Um, they still feel heavy for me, but yeah. then I part of me thinks, well, you know, that's fine because they're actually feeling so nice and like they're, they're protective. So there's those. Um, there's the the on running, uh, the Cloud Flow is the particular pair that I got, which is their sort of lightest shoe in their range. Um, and that's on about a six mil offset. Yeah, I think, I think it is. is. Right? And yeah, as okay. I said, you know, quite mm. light. Uh, I need to give them a bit more of a of a run in, but um, I might do a couple of long runs in them. 
And then, you know, I I really like Adidas shoes, but I don't know whether the Boston, I often run, do a lot of my training and long runs, uh, actually ran a two-hour run on the weekend uh, in the Bostons, and they they honestly feel amazing. They're just so light and I can feel the ground and mm. they really suit me, but I am a bit worried about the 42Ks in them. Mm. Yeah, look, I, honestly, if you... I don't think you can make a wrong decision out of out of those three shoes that you've mentioned. Any any one of those three might be okay for you to run the marathon in. Um, I guess one of the things that I'd be thinking about was um, how much running have you done in each of those particular shoes? And if you're going to use one of those pairs of shoes in the marathon, you'll have wanted to have done some easy running in it and also some long runs in it and also some runs in a circumstance quite similar to the marathon and by that I mean on a on a hard surface mm. um, so you wouldn't want to be going into the marathon not having tested those three scenarios out and found that the shoes were very comfortable weren't giving you any blisters you weren't pulling up sore um, you felt like you could run in them slowly and you could also felt like, felt like you could run in them at that kind of up-tempo marathon pace, which for you is a little bit quicker than mine, so <laughs> 4, 4.15, 4.16 pace. Um, so, yeah, I, look, if it was me, I'd probably lean towards trying to wear the least amount of shoe that you think you could get away with. But having said that, if if you feel more confident in your own body by wearing something that's slightly more protective or like slightly more cushy, then, you know, that extra bit of confidence might actually be as important perhaps as, you know, having a, a gram or two less on your foot. And, yeah, I think that's a um, that good point. And what do you reckon, so just say I make the decision on whichever shoe it is and, you know, one of them, uh, so the Adidas are actually quite worn and torn, it's probably nearly a time for a new pair. Um, mm-hmm. Timing to actually get the a new pair of shoes, even though you, you've been wearing them? Wearing, wearing yeah, them in. Yeah, so what, um, what do you reckon, well, what do you feel like is pretty good for that? Well, yeah, I, I think um, things have changed. I reckon things have changed a little bit on that over the years. Like, you know, 10 years ago I reckon you used to have to run like 100Ks <laughs> in a pair of shoes before that start to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the all of the shoe manufacturers have got a lot better at producing shoes that you can almost run in them straight out of the box um, but having said that, I still would have wanted to do a long run and probably a marathon pace tempo on a hard surface plus a few easy runs. So, you know, may- maybe you would have done 50 to 60 Ks in them um, with some of that specific um, work that I mentioned mm. in them just to make sure you're feeling comfortable and confident. Mm. So for me, um, I've, I actually have decided which shoe I'm going <laughs> to wear, which is, sounds a bit odd given all of the options, but um I actually am going to wear the Adidas um, Adios Boost and I haven't done a huge amount of Ks in those, but I've probably done three or four easy runs of maybe 40 minutes. Um, I've also done the 15K Lake Wenderee race on the road I did in those Um, and I also wore those at Flinders Island for um, that 26K race and 30K total day so 
I would have done maybe 70, 80Ks in those um, at the moment and, you know, I could probably do another long run in those and they'll, they'll still feel probably pretty pretty snappy and cherry ripe and ready to go for, for Melbourne in four to five weeks' Just time. Just a question. Are they, I'm madly Googling mm-hmm. to see a picture of them in front of me. Mm. Are they the Addy Zero Adios Boost? Yes. Yes. That that is that is them. Yeah. Um so they're in that category of marathon racing shoes, but they're actually not like super flat. So I think they're on maybe a nine or ten mil offset. So they're pretty much on the a standard offset for most of the kind of lightweight trainers um that you have these days. Um they're they're actually pretty similar feel to the the Mm. Boston, um, but just maybe a tiny little bit stiffer and maybe the the cushioning is a tiny little bit firmer which probably for the marathon and for a special effort i'd be pretty comfortable with that they look nice um yeah there and i've sort of run in the previous incarnations of that shoe and had a fair amount of success with them so for me i feel pretty confident what did you wear wearing, uh, last year for your first marathon i wore a pair of adios but a pair that was probably about eight years eight years old that I just had in the cupboard um, during the time where I really wasn't doing much running so um, yeah they were a very similar shoe um, but these newer ones are a little bit lighter I think and they, I think they actually mm. feel a bit better um, than the older ones um, but yeah I, equally I could run in I've got a pair of Bostons I'd be happy to run the marathon in those um, uh, what else have I got I thought about at one stage I was doing a lot of running in those little innovate 195s oh, yeah, yeah. um which have they do have cushioning but very little and they're only on a three mil offset and the reason why i just ruled those out early was they just don't feel good on a hard surface they feel great when you're out on the trails in the bush on a softer surface but yeah put them on on the road for me at least they just don't have the cushioning and they they feel like you know i'd, I'd probably get to like halfway in the marathon and I'd have probably sore forefeet um, from lack of cushioning in those. So, yeah, I'm, for me, I think on the asphalt, um, having have, even as a runner who tends towards being a bit more minimal, having enough cushioning um, is pretty critical. What about the ultras so, yeah. that you have mentioned before? Thoughts on maybe that? Yeah, well, look, they're the... They're, they're a temptation, um, but I feel like I'm so close now that I don't have time <laughs> to do enough running in them to give them a proper test out. So I'll, I think I'll keep my powder dry on those and perhaps they'll be an option for um, 2019. Mm. So here's um, a, but they're a here's really a nice question shoe. for you. So, you know, novice marathoners mm-hmm. out there, yep. where do they go to, to try and find the best advice, I guess, for their their shoe you know there's so much information on the internet some of the stores obviously may be helpful but you may not get someone that's done a marathon yourself um and then how do you know if the shoe's right for you i think uh, going to a specialty running store um that actually has um, runners with a lot of experience working in the store would be a good idea um look if you've if you kind of know what you're doing, you could just buy your shoes offline and you'd be able to, on, online, sorry, and you'd be able to choose something that would be suitable. But if you're starting with not much knowledge, go somewhere where, uh, yeah, they they know they'll want to sit down and talk running with you. Um, they'll want to understand where you're coming from in terms of your level of fitness. 
um, and you want to go somewhere where they'll let you try the shoes on and have a run in them, whether that be either on a treadmill or even some some stores will even let you kind of run and run up and down with them outside the store as well, which could be good. Um, if you are running in shoes on the treadmill, um, you know, the, the person should be knowledgeable enough to try and pick a pair of shoes that's actually suits the way that you run. Um, and, you know, even in your own mind when you're on the treadmill, if you're thinking these are pretty comfortable, um, I'm not making a lot of noise running in these, is a good sign that they're actually quite suited to your particular way of running. Um, yeah, definitely go somewhere where you're likely to get some some specific mm. advice. Um, and the right shoe for you might be the wrong shoe for someone else, so it's very important to choose something that actually suits your particular and needs. And what do you reckon would be, you know, maybe the top two or three things to look at when selecting a marathon shoe and then maybe the top couple to avoid when selecting a marathon shoe? Uh, well, probably I, I think given there's such a wide variety of runners um, out there with different needs, it'd be hard to kind of pick um, a specific shoe feature or, or so forth that you would go for, but you definitely want comfortable shoes. So comfortable shoes for you, something that enables you to run um, with your best possible biomechanics. Um, you definitely don't want to buy something that is feels too tight um, or has anything in the shoe that feels like it's going to rub on you um, because over the course of a, a marathon or even your long training runs, you're going to end up getting pretty massive blisters. So, yeah, you want something that's a really good fit for you and suits um, your particular foot shape and your particular way of running. So that, that'd probably be my main tips. It's pretty hard to give specific advice but probably the one other thing i would say is don't be kind of too channeled into buying a particular shoe um, based on what a shoe salesperson is trying to tell you you've got to try and get after the shoe that is most suitable for you and sometimes you know even even a shoe like the adios which i'm wearing um if you'd looked up around that, there'd probably be a lot of places online where they'd say, don't wear that shoe unless you're a sub three hour marathoner mm. or even faster. Um, but I know through wearing that in my long runs and in some of those test races that it suits me fine um, and it's okay for me to wear. So, um, yeah, don't necessarily be deterred by someone saying, oh, well, you're too slow or you're too heavy or you're too this or too that. Um, you you really want to try and get that right shoe for you and you might be 100 kilos and be able to run in a shoe that has very little cushioning. Um, and if you can do that and go and do long runs in that um, and you can run on the road in those shoes, then that shoe might be okay for you if that's the kind of shoe that you like running in. But equally, you know, you could be like a 70-kilogram um, a runner um, and have poor biomechanics and, uh, and, you know, you just like running in more cushioned shoes and, you know, that's fine too. So you just got to get something that's mm, suitable I think for I, you. I do agree with trying them on as well. And, look, I love online shopping, don't get me wrong, but, you know, this conversation at the moment in the household of what shoe to wear, um, you know, my husband has got this toe injury and what he's found is that unless he tries a shoe on and does exactly what you're saying, running on the treadmill, he can't actually work out just by a picture whether or not the sort of 
footplate underneath is going to rub and interfere with his injury. And he has bought a couple of shoes online, but they've actually irritated his injury. So going into the shops and the shoe that I try on and I say to him, oh, I love this, you know, this is a great one, you know, get this one. He tries it on and he's like, oh, you know, my, my toe hurts straight away. I can't wear this one. So, um, yeah, it's so important. Um, and look, you know, just in terms of you asked me for other, other advice, like if, if you're looking in a kind of a category of shoe, then yeah, by all means, look at ask to see different shoes that are called marathon racing shoes because they're specifically designed for the job but also anything that's in the kind of lightweight trainer class um, which is kind of like your you know your Adidas Boston style of shoe and pretty much all of the shoe brands have a shoe um, of similar kind of ilk to that Um, you know there's lots of different shoes out there that could be suitable for you to run run the marathon Um, we're a bit spoiled for choice at the moment it's just finding finding the one that's perfect for you is the the trick now I'm looking at these um the, the ones you just mentioned the adios boost and i'm thinking oh maybe i'll go get one of those and try how that feels oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no i need to do a few more runs in my on running cloud flows um before i make my final choice yep yep yeah look it's it's good fun to try them out and um yeah try if you can try before you buy definitely do that <laughs> no i agree with you on that uh, very good. Well, um, I think we've probably done a fair bit now on marathon mm. shoes, and we've, I think we've almost in our conversation covered the tip. Yeah, I think so. Agree? Which was you know, right shoe for the job. Yeah, right shoe for the job, and right shoe for you um, is really, really the takeaway message on this this whole discussion around shoes. And yeah, try try lots of different ones and. One of the good things about having a few different shoes in your rotation just for your training, um, two or three pairs if you're going to do a marathon, I don't think would be that unreasonable, um, is that you will have a couple of options potentially to choose from for race day, um, which, yeah, you don't want to be kind of leaving it until, you know, I I wouldn't want to be starting from scratch in terms of making my decision about what shoes to wear at this stage with four or five weeks to go. Um, You really want to have decided what you're going to be wearing um, as early as possible so you can you can make sure that you've got a, a pair that's nicely broken in um, um, to, to choose from for race day. So if you've got one that you think's perfect, maybe buy a second <laughs> pair and keep that in reserve. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point because, you know, so we're so focused on the training and, and getting all of the, the kilometres or the miles out, but it's so important, the equipment. I mean, look at cyclists or triathletes they're constantly looking at their equipment i'm not sure well maybe it's changing and running but we should definitely be thinking about our shoes yeah maybe a couple of months out before the marathon that's that's true and look yeah shoes is pretty much about the only it's only real equipment that we can play around with (laughs) most of the rest of it is fairly superfluous (laughs) yeah look i'm i'm sure you make sure you've yeah you've got the right shorts or top or you know and guys and you um nipple cream uh you don't want the you don't want the chafing <laughs> but uh yeah you're right the, the shoes are the main piece of equipment yes absolutely well i think maybe we're oh, we're almost at a wrap no what are we doing next week what oh, are you jet doing setter again week, actually Lisa? i am returning uh, really. to my hometown i'm actually coming down uh, your way melbourne 
So heading down to right. Melbourne. Haven't been back for a few months actually. I think it's been about six months. So a bit of a fleeting visit. It's always a bit of a mad rush fitting in a million things. Um, You'll have to go and well, run the Well, ironically, course. I'm actually returning uh, back to my old club, Keela St. Bernard's, and I'm actually going to race the tan relays that are on. Yeah, oh, you are doing tan the tan relays. relays. I'm actually really excited about it. So for non-Victorians or, you know, it's, probably, it's definitely a very famous run in, in Melbourne, one lap of the Botanical Gardens, which is known as the tan, is I think it's about 38 Four kilometers, and and sounds about it's, right. It, it's quite a well-known thing, isn't it, to have a, a, a tan tan lap time. What's your what's your tan PB? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to just as you were talking, I was trying to remember mine. But I, I think it's like it's about two minutes less than what four minute K yeah, pace would be. I whatever yes, that works out. Mine at. is fourteen oh one. I have always wanted to break fourteen minutes. <laughs> And yep. I look. I don't think I'm in the shape. I'm halfway through marathon training, so no idea how I'm going to go. It's actually a bit of fun, and um, I'm really excited to return back to the old club. Uh, I do miss them quite a bit. So um, yeah, back trekking down to Melbourne town and running town relays, and attempting on Sunday to increase my land run to two hours and fifteen minutes. So that will be my biggest Sunday long run ever if I can achieve that. That'd be good. So you're I do, do that, that in, in Melbourne. Melbourne. So I'm actually going to go out and join. Uh, you know, you're doing the Melbourne Marathon. They've got a series of runs on the Wednesday uh, and the Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's a great idea. I have actually been down to it a couple of times yep. for huge numbers, like hundreds of people that go along, and they've got um, a couple of different pacing groups and some different distances mm-hmm. uh, I'm unfortunately going down on the week where they do their longest run so they're doing 36 k's <laughs> I'm oh, wow. definitely yeah. not participating in that I'll probably peel off I think they've actually got a, a group that's doing a 22k as well so I might jump in with that and maybe tack on a bit at the beginning because I'm not too good at the end uh, but that would be nice actually I imagine there'll be a massive group to run around run around some old sites Check around the old the old city, and um, I'm really looking forward to that. But doing a traditional yeah, pack training. Yeah, I like it too. Like so, um, what are you solo lone wolf? What are you be doing? <laughs> uh, well, I'll be doing a bit of solo lone wolfing. I'd say <laughs> I've got one more long run to do in my program, and it's written in as a two hour 45, but I'm actually tempted to cut it back a little bit because I, I kind of feel like I'm I'm in shape yeah, at the moment. You could so, trek down the highway uh, and uh, join me and the other Melbourne marathoners on the Sunday run. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, I don't think I will. <laughs> I'll be happy to do that one in, in the uh, rarefied air of um, either yeah. Ballarat or Dalesford. Um yeah, I'll have to have a think about where I am um, in terms of how I approach that run. But, yeah, I've got to get that one out. And, yeah, I think I've got one more fartlek session and I've got the first one of those um, uh, bends and straights uh, wind sprints. So that'll be a bit of fun to try mm. that out earlier in earlier in the week. Um, yeah, but this is pretty much the last week of training now. Um before well it's not really as a taper but yeah after this week it's only four weeks to go so getting very Very close close. yeah very good excellent well uh 
good luck with your various um, running adventures. <laughs> Thank for the you. Week Never coming. a dull moment in my life. <laughs> Always on the go. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. We will catch you next week.